Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, while you're standing, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me again, please. We're going to go back to the book of John, St. John, <clears throat> chapter 3. Last Sunday morning, uh, <clears throat> I preached a message that we entitled, You Must Be Born Again. Today, I want to come back on that because Holy Spirit uh, just hasn't released me from this thought. And so I want to come back on this this morning with simply the message that I've entitled, Born Again. <clears throat> Born Again, <clears throat> John chapter 3. We're going, to look with, we're going to look at just two verses to get started with this morning. John chapter 3 and also verse 7. Verse 3 and verse 7. John chapter 3 and verse 3 and verse 7. Jesus uh, answered Nicodemus and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, and remember last Sunday we talked about Nicodemus was probably one of the most religious people that you would ever meet. He was the one, he was probably the most knowledgeable about the word that you would, of anybody you would ever meet. Jesus looked at him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 and verse 7, Jesus said again, marvel not. That word marvel means don't wonder, don't stress about it, don't be in awe of it. Marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. Look at your neighbor and say, you must be born again. There's no other way. You must be born again. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. We thank you this morning for the worship, God, that we've been able to experience, the glory of your presence that has come, the anointing that is, that is moving in this room today. Father, the power, God, of your Holy Spirit that is working and moving, and even right now, Father, that's touching and changing lives, Father, and, and giving vision and leading and guiding, Father. We thank you today. And Holy Spirit, we would never do anything to hinder the work that you're doing. We would never intentionally do anything that would grieve the work that you desire to do in this place this morning. So, Father, as your word goes forth, let it go forth with clarity, with power, with passion, Father. And, Lord, let it find its mark. And, God, as it finds its mark, God, I thank you for the results, for the fruits, God, that are going to be born in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can take your seat. <clears throat> 
the thing that launched me into thinking uh, about the passage that we used last week and using again this week, you must be born again, is that I began to think about revival and I began to think about what it's going to take to see revival on a corporate level, but also revival on a personal level. What is, how is revival going to come? This past week, we had the opportunity to go up uh, to Birmingham to a dear friend of ours church and uh, be a part of, of his uh, camp meeting or conference. I got to hear great men uh, speak, great men deliver the word of God, and it was powerful. Got to hear great worship, Clint Brown. Got to uh, listen to Clint Brown and worship and sing about Zion is calling us to a higher place of praise. And the glory of the Lord was strong and real. Got to hear Rod Parsley uh, break the word and, and minister. And, and uh, Perry Stone just brought the house down with the word of God. And, and as I sat there and, and uh, uh, enjoyed that, that conference and enjoyed being with those men and Pastor Larry and, and all of them, and we enjoyed that time. And I, I couldn't help but think about the, the path that God had uh, placed me on. I was amazed that that Thursday night, Pastor Rod Parsley uh, began to preach. And what did he preach about? You must be born again. And God began to confirm and began to show uh, me. And, and I sat there and I said, God, these men, these men have, have preached your word. They, these are... Uh, these are generals in the army of God. These are great men, and, and they preached your word, but, but they haven't brought revival uh, like you want to bring revival. And I said, God, uh, how, what, what are you wanting to do? And God spoke to me, and he said, it won't be the great that will bring revival. It won't be the great speaker. It won't be the great evangelist that's going to bring revival. He said it's going to be the individual that comes to a place in their life that their hunger for revival exceeds everything else around them. Their desire for God to come and move in their life goes past everything else and they begin to fall on their face before me, God said, and repent and come in brokenness. And he said, one by one, I am going to ignite the fire of revival in the house of God and I'm going to bring about a body of men and women and boys and girls that are going to walk in the newness of who I've created them to be and he said that is where revival is going to come it's going to be a single flame of fire that will result in a in a flame that will consume men and women that will spread outside of the body of Christ outside of the corporate church and it will begin to burn in the school system it will begin to burn 
burn on the streets of the cities. And God said, that is how revival is gonna come. He said, I brought men I brought men such as Clint Brown, Larry Raglan, uh, uh, and Rod Parsley, and, and Perry Stone, and all the others, the, the Jakes, and all the others. I brought great men, and I've given them great anointing and great power. And he said, What they're doing is they're stoking the fire of revival. He said, But son, mark my word, they cannot bring revival to a backslidden, uh, unconcerned, body of people. He said the only thing that's going to bring revival is going to be when that individual breaks themselves down before me and allows me to work in their lives. Then all these other great men that are great preachers and great orators and great teachers, he said they will just stoke what I'm doing. You must be born again. In our culture that we're living in today, people think that because I can jump and dance to a good worship song that I've been born again. What we uh, many times see in our culture today is people want uh, the feel-good feeling, but they don't stay in the feel-good long enough to be changed from the inside out. Listen, God wants to change you from the inside out. God, if, listen, if you could dance your way into heaven, then Jesus would have told Nicodemus, then go ahead and cut a rug, Nick, and get down on it, do the slide or something like that, and, and dance your way right on into heaven. But Jesus didn't say you can dance your way into heaven. He didn't even say, uh, Peter, go down and get a worship band and bring them up here because Nicodemus wants to know how to get to heaven and bring the worship band, strike up the chords and begin to sing. Nicodemus, just lift your hands and you can worship your way right on into heaven. And all of that's good, nothing wrong with that, but Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus you can worship your way into heaven. He told him this. He said, son, you gotta be born again. You gotta come to a place in your life where you're willing to die to who you are so that I can begin to live to who I am in you. I might just go ahead and have me a little spell up here this morning. And I know that's not popular preaching in our, in our uh, time today. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, that could be the reason that churches are filled up uh, to capacity in many, time, in many places, but yet they're not affecting the community. That could be that we walk into church on Sunday morning and we dance a little bit, we speak in tongues a little bit, and we shout a little bit, but we walk back out still bound up, still messed up from the head up and everything else is wrong in our lives but God is saying if you want revival if you're tired of being bound if you're tired of living like you've been living if you're tired of going to the same old hog pen and wallowing in the same old muck and mire he said understand this there is no way around you've got to be born again Listen, the very words that Jesus used there, you must be born again, indicate to us that there must be a time of death. 
If you want to be born again, the unborn can't be born again. So that tells us that Jesus was talking to a man that had already been born. He had already come through the birth canal and was born as a human being. And Jesus said, now you've got to be born again. So what was he talking about? He was talking about Nicodemus. You've been born one time. Nick looked at him and said, hey, how can I go back through my mother's uh, womb again and be born the second time? Jesus said, you don't understand. I'm not talking about going back to your mama's womb. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. I'm talking about a birth that happens on the inside. The first birth, I was born into sin. I'm going to say that again. The first birth, I was born into sin. That's the reason that I needed another birth. That's the reason I needed a second birth. Because I was born in sin, and the second birth uh, resulted because I died to sin, and Jesus rose me up, and I was born again. The reason many times that we stay in the same condition that we've been in for years and years is because we've got a little dabble do us and we think that we're all right. But the reality is we've never been born again. Listen, time is too short, ladies and gentlemen, to be playing around with your soul. Listen, the new birth cannot happen, it will not happen until there is a death to my old self. In Titus, the book of Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, listen to these words. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done. In other words, all of your good deeds, all your holy penances, All of your uh, giving, all of your worshiping, all of your praying, all of that is good in its uh, way. But but Titus uh, said this. He said, it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. We talked a little bit about mercy last week. But according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration. That word regeneration simply means that I had an old dirty, sin-filled, hate-filled, rotten heart. When Holy Spirit came, the washing of the water of the word And the regenerating power of Holy Spirit simply means that when he regenerated me, he renovated my heart. He brought my heart back to a place that it was originally created for. He brought it back for the purpose for which it was intended to be. And that is a heart that is open to him. Listen, without the work of Holy Spirit coming into your life 
and regenerating you. Those old ways, those old habits, those old ideas, those old mindsets, those old tendencies in you can never be dealt with. That is the reason that Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again because Jesus knew the heart of man. He knew what was in the heart of man. It doesn't matter what kind of religious garb uh, you have. Uh, Nicodemus probably had on a pretty uh, robe and all of that and he probably looked real righteous and holy. But yet Jesus saw through all the dress. He saw through all the makeup. And he said, Nick, you got to be born again because until you allow me to deal with that old junk in your heart, your heart will never be able to be open to who I am. You see, there's no confusion about the Word of God. There's, there's nothing to be confused about the Word of God. People look at me all the time and say, well, I just don't understand the Bible. I'm, I'm confused about it. Listen, there's no confusion about the Word of God. If you read the Word of God and Holy Spirit is working in you, He will reveal to you. He will give you understanding of what the Word of God says. He will show you. He will guide you. He will direct you. Nobody got to come to you and tell you you need uh, to put on more clothes. Nobody's got to come to you and tell you you need to quit wearing that and you need to grow this out and cut that off and buckle that up and tie that down and, and all that. Nobody has to tell you that because when Holy Spirit gets in your life Holy Spirit will guide you he will he will adjust your thinking he will adjust your talking he will adjust your ideas and your attitude listen the confusion comes when we skip over this born again thing many churches today don't even talk about being born again Many of them look over that. They don't even mention about being born again. Just come to the altar and make a decision. Let me tell you something about the difference between decision and born again, and I'm, I'm taking this from Pastor Rod Parsley. So, so if you talk to him, tell him that Pastor uh, plagiarized uh, one of his illustrations. Miss Sarah, you better not tell him. <laughs> Listen, the difference between being born again and making a decision is this. You drive up to McDonald's and get in uh, the drive through uh, line waiting to order. You drive in and you're hungry. You drive into McDonald's and you're hungry. You wait there till the person in front of you makes up their mind what they're going to order even though they've been sitting there for 15 minutes looking at that thing and all they got to do is call out a number and they sit there and, and make all kind of things and all that. But finally you get up there and, and they say, welcome to McDonald's, how may I help you today? And you say, well, I want a number two uh, loaded down. I want a number two large. What's happened is you made a decision that you want a number two. But can I ask you this? Are you still hungry? 
Yes, you're still hungry. Why? You just made a decision. That decision that you made didn't feed you. It just, it just set something up. But listen, when you are born again, when Jesus comes into your life, then it goes past making a decision. It goes past deciding on something. When Jesus comes into your life, it changes you. It redeems you. It restores you. I got to get on. Listen, we can never walk in the power of his resurrection until we allow ourselves to fellowship with his sufferings and be made conformable to his death. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, this, this verse is quoted many times that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. How many of you want to know him? That word know is not just a casual meeting. That word know is, is a word that, that carries with it a, 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 a sexual intimacy, uh, an intimate uh, knowing, a coming together and knowing somebody intimately. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. So I want to know him, amen, and the power of his resurrection. We quote this quite often. And the fellowship, notice this, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. What Paul the Apostle was saying was that if you want to know him, if you really want to walk in the power of his resurrection, you have got to understand, you've got to come into fellowship with his sufferings. Why? What am I saying? I'm saying I've got to realize that Jesus suffered and died on the cross. And then he told his disciples this. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to take up the cross daily and deny yourself and follow me. So what was Paul saying? He's saying this. He said, if I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, I've got to come in fellowship with his sufferings in other words, I've got to have something in common with my, with my Savior. I've got to have something in common that says I am dying to myself. I'm no longer living to who I am. I'm no longer walking in the passions of my lust and the passions of my fleshly desires. But I've come in fellowship with him and I've been made conformable to his death. Listen, I was thinking about this just this morning, and God uh, began to deal with my heart. And I, and I was actually uh, looking up a scripture uh, to mail to uh, text to somebody else because I had a burden for them. And so I was going to text them a, a word of encouragement. And as I began to look the scripture up, uh, I, I realized, yeah, I need to send this to them, but I also realized Holy Spirit said, I wanted you to see this today because I want you to uh, see what's going on. And it's found in Genesis 
chapter 32. You can turn there or you, or you don't have to, but in Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to go over it real fast, is the story of Jacob. Uh, Jacob has told his house, we're, we're, going, we're going home, I'm going back. And so he gathers up all of his family, his children, and he starts his journey back home. But, but he meets up with Esau. He hears that Esau is coming to meet him. Esau's got a whole army of men with him. Fear rises up in, in the heart of Jacob. He begins to worry because you know Jacob. You know, you know Jacob. Do you know Jacob? Jacob was a deceiver. He was a supplanter. He deceived. He lied. He manipulated and all that. Jacob, how many of you know, had a past so here is Jacob now. He is about to be confronted with something from his past. He is about to be confronted with his brother that he stole the birthright from and that he thought the last time they departed from each other, there was a bitter, bitter hatred from Esau. As a matter of fact, Esau would have killed him had he had the opportunity. That is the reason that Jacob ran and left home. So now, in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is on his way back. He hears from about that Esau is coming out to meet him with this group of men. I, I, I think it was about 600 men, if I'm not mistaken. But, but it was a good, large group of men. So Jacob gets scared. Jacob, in his, in his way of thinking, says, I'm going to get together some presents for my brother. I'm going I'm to put together some gifts. I'm going to go to Belk and, and to Target. And no, he ain't going to go to Target. But, but some of you women say, no, why, why can't he go to Target? bunch of liberals or something like that I, I don't know but but he didn't go there I he didn't go there I felt that wind come by but he got together the gifts and he said I'm gonna send a group I'm gonna send this group out first and he said they're just gonna kind of they're going to kind of uh, soften my brother. And he began to send them out. So send one group out, send another group out. And, and he sent his wife out. And, and, and this group loaded down with, with uh, sheep and, and gifts and all that. The Bible says the reason that he did that is in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 32. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Peradventure he will accept of me. Notice that word appease, because the word appease lets us know that what Jacob was trying to do was cover over his past. That's what the word appease means. 
It means to cover over. Actually, it means to cover it over with pitch, to cover it over with slime, to totally seal it up so that it would not be seen anymore. And that's what Jacob was desiring to do with Esau. Isn't that the way that we do many times when it comes to our relationship with God and dealing with our past? We just want to cover it up. We don't want to remember it. We don't want to think about it. And so we try to just cover it up and we try to uh, bring gifts to God and, and try to do all this so that, so that we, can, we can appease him. But can I tell you something this morning that what Jacob didn't know, what Jacob didn't know was in his attempt to appease Esau that he was getting rid of every individual and everything that he had used in the past to prop himself up. And that what he was about to do was get himself in a position that he was going to be left right by himself standing at the bank of a creek that was flowing by and the night was coming and it was going to get real, real dark and that there wasn't going to be anybody there. The mama's not going to be there. The wife's not going to be there. The possession's not going to be there. The children not going to be there. Jacob going to be standing right there right by himself lonely and all of that and God said when I get you in that place he said I'm going to begin to do some work in your life listen sometimes God will let you get in a place where you're lonely where you're by yourself and there's nobody else around and you think that nobody else cares and you're fussing and crying saying God what is going on and God is dancing up there and say I finally got you to the place where I can talk to you and you will listen to me and you will hear what I'm saying. Listen, one can never hope to conquer the failures of their past until the condition of their heart that caused them to fail is changed. See, what Jacob thought, I can appease Esau. But what God said was, you can't appease your past. You can't cover up your past. There's got to be a change. There's got to be a reinvent or recreating who you are. The Bible says in Genesis 32 and verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. He was left alone. He was right by himself. And there was some wrestling that took place. Can I tell you something this morning? I believe with all my heart that there are people that are sitting here today. And you're listening to the sound of my voice. And you have wrestled. You have wrestled with things. You have wrestled with your past you have wrestled with decisions that you made in the past. You have wrestled. You have wrestled. And there may be even things that you have wrestled about that nobody else knows. 
And because nobody else knows, it causes you to be found in one of the most lonely places you could ever imagine. Because you've got a burden in here. You've got a brokenness in here. And you're wrestling with it. And all it is, ladies and gentlemen, is that Holy Spirit has brought you here today. And Holy Spirit is saying, you don't have to wrestle you don't have to fight this. Just realize what I'm trying to do. The Bible says that Jacob wrestled there until the breaking of the day. How many of you know there's a daybreak coming? Listen, you and I just want to prophesy this to somebody here this morning. You've struggled and you've battled and you've wrestled and you've been lonely and broken and all that. But I'm telling you this morning that if you'll hear what I'm saying, there's a day breaking for you. The dawn is rising. The sun is coming up over your horizon. And God is saying those things of your past are going to be in the past. You'll no longer have to deal with yesterday because I'm going to do a new thing in your life. And God has a way of putting us in a place of isolation to get us to recognize the need to deal with our past. You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The book of Matthew, chapter 26. Can I tell you this? The closer you get to your breakthrough, the less people are going to be able to hang with you. Listen, the Bible says in Genesis and Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And then he said unto him, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face, prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Notice something here, guys. Jesus gives us this example. And there are many, many uh, revelations that we could pull from the story of Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane. But I want to pull this one thing out of this story this morning. Jesus was about to face the most uh, horrific uh, death that we can imagine. He was about to go to the cross. I don't believe that he was struggling about having to go to the cross. What I believe that Jesus was struggling about was the fact that he knew that the reason that he was going to the cross was the sin of humankind. And he knew that the sin of all of us was going to be placed upon his back. And when that happened, he knew that the Father would not be able to look upon him. So Jesus went 
and, and he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says that he got there and his, all of his disciples were with him. And he went down and uh, the Bible says that he looked at his disciples. And he said, y'all, he was southern, so he said, y'all. He said, y'all stay here while we go yonder and pray. Then the Bible says that he took Peter, James, and John, and he went a little farther, and he prayed. He began to pray, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. And then the Bible says that he left Peter and John. Peter and James and John, and he went even farther into the garden. Can I tell you something this morning? There's times in your life that the group that you've been hanging with are not going to understand what God wants to do in your life. And you're going to have to drop them off in the edge of your garden. You're going to have to look at the group, young person, teenagers, young men, young ladies. You're going to have to look at the group and say, y'all stay here. I got to go a little bit further. And even, even at that, you will find yourself in a place because, listen, this born-again thing that I'm talking about, it's not for your mom and your daddy. It's not for your buds. It's for you. And so what God wants to do in your life will require that even your closest hangout buddies, you're going to have to look at them and say, hey, stay here. I got to go even a little bit farther. But can I tell you something? That when you have gone as far as you can go and you have poured yourself out to God, you can walk out of your garden with the confidence that says, I am not worried about what might come my way. I am not worried. Listen, Jesus walked out of the Garden of Gethsemane even though he was being led out by a group of armed soldiers that had every intention of abusing and of killing him. He walked out with the confidence that said, my Father in heaven knows where I am. He knows my name when I walk through the fire, it will not burn me. When I go through the flood, it will not overrun me. No matter what I have to go through, no matter what I have to deal with, listen, when I have given my life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, 
Why in the world do you think that men like Peter, that was just a fisherman, would look in the face of those that were about to kill him and say, don't crucify me just like you did my Savior. Turn me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like he did. Why in the world would somebody like the Apostle Paul, who had everything you could ever desire, prestige, wisdom, knowledge, and all that position and all of that, but yet Paul stood in the face of his captors and laid his head down on a chop block and said, come on and give it your best shot because I'm not worried about what you do to this body because I know that at the end of the day that I will raise, rise up. I know that I have the power of resurrection living in me, so it doesn't matter what you throw at me because I know my Redeemer lives and in that last day he's going to rise up and he's going to stand up. See, but it all comes. It is all birthed. It is all brought out of a born again experience. You must be born again. I'm going to ask the worship team, if you will, to come the musicians and I simply want to ask you again are you born again see perhaps God is saying I want to send revival into your life I want you to be a catalyst that will bring revival into other people's lives. But I can't do that because there's some of you standing in the way. See, I got some of myself standing in the way of what God wants to do. Listen, I wish I could see out into the future and know what God is, is doing and what God is going to do, but I don't have that ability. But I do believe this. I do believe because this is one of my prayers that, that I pray on a daily basis. I pray God never let me stand before a group of people and just preach a word because it sounds good. God, if I can't stand and preach prophetically, then don't let me stand. And listen, I've talked to many pastors and there, there are many of them that are way over here they're way over there. They're afraid to talk about sin. They're afraid to talk about being born again. They're afraid that something is going to get out of hand in their service, and so they have to keep it under control 
because they don't want to offend people that come in. They don't want anybody to, to get upset. They don't want visitors to get upset. Listen, I've been there, I know. There's great pressure on pastors in 2019 to conform uh, to, uh, to uh, visitors and to conform to society. And I know, and there are many, uh, many of my friends that are, that are over there. And they would never preach anything like you've heard this morning. Listen, I don't condemn them. I'll jack them up on it. They know it. Listen, I take it extremely seriously that when I stand here this morning, what I was saying is there's, there's another group that I see that God is, is bringing them back to the middle. And they're recognizing that we're getting so, so close to the coming of Jesus. And they recognize that many of the people that walk through the doors of their buildings on Sunday mornings are not ready to meet Jesus. Because they have put so much emphasis on attendance. They put so much emphasis on the music and the lights and the sound and all of that stuff that they've allowed purity, holiness, this thing called born again, they've allowed it to slip through their hands. But listen, God is bringing a remnant of people back. Listen, God is not going to send revival into a person who refuses to accept the fact that they need to be born again. It will not happen. I want to know. I want to know. I want to give him everything I've got. God, make me a vessel. Make me a vessel. Hallelujah. As they get ready, just, you guys go ahead and, and, and play. I'm going to ask you this morning. This is not for a specific group. I'm simply asking this question this morning. Have you been born again? Are you born again? That means this. That means that you have given him your life. Your old way of living, thinking, talking, being is gone it doesn't mean that you might not fail or mess up every once in a while but it means that when you do you feel so convicted and condemned about it or, or messed up about it you can't wait to get to your knees and say Father forgive me because I sinned if you can cuss your neighbor out and not feel bad about it you need to be born again I'm going to just go ahead and be honest with you If you look at your black brother with, with hatred and bitterness because of the color of their skin 
or you look at your white brother the same way or your red brother the same way and you've got hatred in your heart because of the color of their skin, you need to be born again. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care what kind of role you belong to. You need to be born again. Come on, let's be real. Let's be real. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just go ahead and say it. And I, I'm not saying this. I'm not, I'm not being mean about it. I'm not being judgmental. You sleeping around with your neighbor's wife? Or sleeping around with somebody that's not your wife or not your husband? You ain't right. You need to be born again. That's what the Bible says, guys. I know this is old-fashioned. No, it ain't. It's truth. You want revival? Oh, Jesus. You want a move of God? This is the path. This is the path. Would you stand with me, please? Jesus. Jesus. The beauty of the grace and mercy of God is this, that it doesn't matter how far down I've sank. He still loves me. His redeeming power is still there for me. Listen, it's never too late to get it right. It's never too late to start again. So this morning as they sing, I'm going to ask those, it doesn't matter if you've been in church for 20 or 30 years, or if this is the first time that you've ever set foot in a church, I'm going to ask you this morning, have you had a true born-again experience? If you haven't, then this altar call is for you. This is for you. This is your time. Listen, I'll baptize everybody in this building. That would be a pleasure for me. But I want it right. I want to know that I'm right, and I want to know that you're right.